let's just say for an instance, the cash flow stopped for some reason. We still have an asset that we can sell that has value in it. And so things like that, rather than say stocks and bonds. Welcome to the Real Estate Monopoly podcast. My name is Kerwin Donis. My brothers and I got into real estate investing to achieve financial freedom and help underserved communities in Guatemala, where our mom is from. Real estate is the vehicle we're taking to achieve our goals. And you can too. On this show, we share the stories of some of the most successful real estate investors to show you that you can succeed in real estate just like they have. Each episode, we deliver inspiring and educational content that will empower you to launch your real estate investing career and achieve your financial goals. Let's go. Stephanie Walter is a capital raiser, syndicator, and the CEO of Herb Wealth. She recently retired and sold her insurance agency of 16 years by following the key principles she teaches professionals to use. She teaches professional people to unlearn what most of us have been wired to think about money and re-educating people to learn the secrets of the wealthy investor that can be life-transforming. She's the gateway between these professionals and well-vetted deals. Once Stephanie came to the realization that working a W-2 didn't suit her, she began to explore other options. So she started to dip her toe in the real estate space, but she wouldn't get into larger multifamily deals until later on. I basically started, um, you know, out of college, I had a W-2 job, uh, worked for an insurance company at the time and uh, realized, you know, within a few years that that just wasn't for me. So I started an insurance agency in 2005. And around that same time, I started investing in single family um, rentals uh, in the Denver metro area. And uh, then, uh, you know, I life went on and about 2016, I became really interested in doing things uh, on a bigger scale. And so I did my first syndication in 2018 after getting a lot of education in those two years. And then um, realized after doing that first syndication by myself that I didn't ever, ever want to do one by myself again. And so I ended up teaming up with my partner and we, uh, I found that I love to raise money and uh, that's what I've been doing. We're on our seventh deal together and um, I've loved doing that because I learned, I've learned so much from wealthy investors, so much so that I've, I've changed a lot of things that I was doing and I was just able to sell my insurance agency on July 1st of this year. And really, I could retire, but I mean, I'm young and I'm, I love this business, so there's nothing else I'd rather do. Real estate was the ideal investment vehicle for Stephanie. Her father invested in real estate, and they both understood the fundamental value of property. I think basically when I was um, investing in single family homes, I've always, I've always loved real estate. My dad actually um, has passed away now, but he, he invested a lot in real estate as well. Um, neither one of us were particularly educated. We just kind of had a feeling about areas and, 
you know, the dynamics of what might happen in the future. And um, <clears throat> that's kind of how I started out and got, I was very lucky to have picked some really great areas in Denver. But um, then when I got educated in 2016, you know, it opens a whole different world up of, of specifically for me, it's been multifamily real estate. After investing in single family, Stephanie was attracted to the syndication option in multifamily. She began learning and soon enough dove in. I love the idea of a syndication. As soon as I, I sat in a training, I'm sure everybody in the audience, if they have an interest in this, has gone to, you know, a salesy, you know, half an hour thing where people tell you basically that how a syndication works. And I just I'd never heard of it before. I thought it was so cool that it was a group of people buying something bigger than anyone could do on their own. And I really love the fact of delegating, like, you know, having a property manager run all of those, you know, basically manage the manager so that you're not having to get all of those, you know, questions, uh, you know, late payments and all the excuses that you get uh, when you run your own, your own uh, single family home. So that was very appealing to me. Absolutely. And, you know, as you made that transition, did you have any kind of limiting beliefs that were maybe that while you were in the single family space, uh, any doubts, misconceptions, anything like that at all? I think, well, my first deal was really, um, hard <laughs> uh, for, for a lot of different reasons. But um, I think it just, my background is one that I'm just going to persevere and persevere until I get it done. I had to go to 30 different banks to find someone to finance my first deal. And I just believe that in this business, I just believed that I would make it work. Somehow I believed I would make it work. Now, Am I doing now what I thought I was going to be doing when I, you know, first learned about syndications? No, I didn't actually realize how much of a team sport this is and that there's so many different parts of it and finding your part that you can really shine at that I did not know. But I I think I was quite, you know, I, I believe that this was the right path for me. So I think that's important, you know, uh, for people if they do have limiting beliefs. If, I think you just have to just keep one foot in front of the other and, and, and just keep walking forward. Frat houses are known for a lot of things. But for Stephanie, her first deal was a fraternity house. And there were some ups and downs. That one was um, brought to, to me by another person in the group that I worked with. And initially we had thought we were going to work on it together. Um, but he had kind of a full-time job and had to kind of uh, exit. So it sort of left me either I needed to close it or it would be lost type of thing. So um what what about uh yeah nobody wanted to to give funding for a fraternity house and so that was kind of the biggest thing um so i talked to a lot of different brokers obviously and finally got to one that was right there locally 
right in the town. Um, the banker had actually known that property and kind of the history of it. And also, I think what was important about that when people are, you know, no matter what you invest in is really understanding the market and that lender really understood that even though it was a fraternity house, um, CSU, it's in Fort Collins, is um, very, very strict with the fraternities. Um, they make, they're not, the fraternities aren't allowed to have parties. They're not allowed to drink, you know, don't know how far that goes, but um, they, they're very, very strict. Um, so the fraternity has to um, be accountable to the college as well as to their national chapter. And that's not how it works across the country. And you can see that um, as a result of the school being so involved, it becomes a less of a animal house type situation, you know, and so that's why they were willing to lend for us. And um, it actually, you know, ends up cash flowing really, really well. Um, I'm sure there would be things I would have done differently the second time. But, um, you know, for my first deal to have made all the investors happy and they've been getting their distributions all along, this year, we have to decide whether we want to refinance while the, you know, the rates are low and I'm waiting for the lender to get back to me with those numbers. Um, and we, we have to come to a decision. It's me and three other investors of whether we're going to keep it or whether we're going to sell it. So um, there will be some changes <laughs> one way or the other. In her business today, Stephanie's main focus is raising capital. Although she's an experienced capital raiser now, on her first raise, Stephanie had some fears. It was super intimidating to think about having to raise money. And now I, you know, I'm much further along in my career now. It doesn't seem like that much, you know, in 2018 to now. But at the time, it was like a $400,000 raise. And I thought that was enormous. <laughs> and now, you know, I'm raising, you know, five, $10 million a, a deal. But at the time, it seemed like a lot. And again, I think I just kind of pushed through, talked to, you know, friends and family, that's kind of where you start. I happened to get lucky because my brother-in-law was, uh, he was an alumni of this fraternity. So he liked the idea of investing in a house that housed his old fraternity, as well as he had past fraternity brothers that wanted to get in on the deal too. So that was sort of how that one played out. Capital raising is one of the many roles on a syndication team. Stephanie's communication skills and her passion for helping others prepared her for the responsibility of raising money for deals. I like um, people, obviously, because um, my past job was an insurance agent. So I got to work with people one-on-one -on -one about their insurance. So this is just kind of a little bit different in the sense that I'm I'm not taking their money for insurance. I'm taking their money and then I'm giving them, you know, great returns on their money. So that makes me happy and it makes them happy. 
Um, but I really love the one-on-one -on -one relationships. I'm much more of like a relationship person than my partner who's very, um, very nice, kind person, but he's very detail oriented, extremely um, down to business kind of guy. And so I just really, really recognized, I guess, pretty early how important the capital raising piece was. In fact, um, you mentioned you were being mentored by, by some people. My mentors were um, Ari Mentor, and there's a lady within that organization. Her name is Jeannie Orlowski, and she has worked for the CEO of, of Ari Mentor for ever. And she's raised probably 250000 or $250 million. And um, she, I just recognize she is the, without Jeannie, none of this would be possible. And so I just realized that a lot of people are looking for deals, but few people think about raising the money, which is a whole skill in to itself. So luckily I, I met someone who our skills really aligned and I, I just love it. Money will always find a good deal. If you've listened to our show before, you might have heard this phrase. Some guests we've had on agree, some disagree. Stephanie disagrees. Here's why. I would say I disagree with that. <laughs> I do. Uh, I mean, that's that's the philosophy I came from too. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, I've seen a lot of people lose money in deals, um, you know, that were coming up the same time I, I was getting into deals that, you know, the, they couldn't bring the investors at the end of the day to the first few deals that I was raising for. And I think for anyone are probably the hardest because um, you have to talk to people who are, don't know you or may know you vaguely, but um, you're, I'm asking people pretty much in Colorado to invest in a product in Florida um, uh, with a partner that they don't know. Um, so I, all of that unknown made, made those first few raises incredibly hard. But once you prove yourself, you know, once you get that first deal and you you perform, the second one gets easier and it gets easier and easier. But um, it, it definitely can be hard <laughs> and challenging for sure. Investors tend to ask the same questions when they're considering an investment opportunity. Throughout her career, Stephanie has heard them many times and she's made an effort to educate her investors who tend to be high net worth people. And on my website, I did a short little, like, not really podcast, but it's an audio video um, group of questions that I get the most from my investors. I mean, the, I think the most is um, not understanding a syndication, how it works, uh, that, that why have I never heard of this before um, type of thing, their own limiting beliefs about money. Um, that they sort of have to get over. Um, but yeah, I, I would say those are pretty much the the largest questions that I get or, or people that not quite sure about this, haven't heard about it. So that's when I have really dug in and learned a lot about my very, very wealthy investors and found that 
they look at money very different than the average person. And it actually took me until 2018, uh, well, really, yeah, the end of 2018 to be like, I am going to start doing this with my money. And if you focus on what the wealthy people do, you will be wealthy. So that's what, that's the message I try to get out to my investors who haven't done one of these yet. Trusting your sponsor is important. It's critical that you vet them if you're considering passively investing in their deal. Stephanie likes to encourage others to do their own due diligence on the people they entrust with their money. Well, I think that people in this industry are, I am, I'm the first one to tell you, I'm a very naive person. I tend to believe people based on, um, you know, a handshake and here, here we go ahead. But I have learned um, not kind of personally, but not really that you need to not be shy about asking who you're working with. Have they had, you know, any, anything say, I'm, I'm going to run a background check because, you know, we're investing in each other. Basically, is there anything that you'd like to tell me, you know, and there's their chance because look, I'm not expecting everybody's going to be perfect, but certainly, when we're working as financial stewards of people's money, it's really important that they don't have any kind of financial things that would make an investor uncomfortable. Um, but that opens up the door for for them to tell you the truth of, you know, anything that might come up. And then I do recommend running a background check on, on everybody. I don't think I'm not quite such an advocate of, of reference checking because it just, I could, anyone could figure out a few people for someone to call. So yeah, I think definitely when you're looking for a sponsor, you need to run that background check. To go along with doing research on your sponsor, you should also ask questions about the sponsor's track record. Stephanie encourages her investors to look for sponsors who have not only closed on properties, but have also carried a deal full cycle. For sure, if they have a track record, that makes it so much more comfortable for for people because at the end of the day, anyone, and I've seen this, is they can close a deal, but can they run the deal? That That's really the, that's the key. So yes, if they have a track record, that, that should account for a lot, especially deals that have gone through the whole cycle. Identifying your avatar is important when it comes to knowing who you want to reach with your content. Stephanie is passionate about helping business owners, and through her marketing, she's able to reach them. I don't know that the insurance, and this is probably changes over time, your avatar, but you know, at this point, I, I do like business owners, professionals, busy professionals. Um, those are the people I really, I'm very passionate about helping insurance agents because, you know, I was one and, and I, I, you know, I like to, to put my energy there, but for this, for raising money, I guess the, what I would tell people is that marketing is kind of everything. And that is the one thing that I, well, there are many things that I didn't know about raising money, but I think the most important thing is having a lot of content. And so if you go to my website, you'll see 
but there, there's quite a lot of content um, because you have to, people have to know that you know what you're talking about and kind of become, I know it's a widely used term, but like a thought leader to your tribe of people. And, you know, I would love to have, you know, most of the people in my tribe are, I could tell you they're men, they're white men, <laughs> and they're, you know, probably between uh, 50 and I have some that are all the way up to 80. Um, I was happy in my latest investment to get a couple women in, in there. And um, so you just have to constantly, you know, have funnels in your, you have to have a contact management system in which you're set, sending out steady information to these people so that when you get your deal and put it out in front of them, they'll bite on it. There are a lot of benefits to investing passively in a syndication. For Stephanie, hedging against inflation and the tax benefits are major upsides. I have actually on my website the five top reasons that passive investing is for you. And so, I mean, the ones that come to mind now because it's more of a timely issue is inflation guard. And I spoke to a group of people, uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago in this stat, I did some research and found that um, they uh, did this study and found from 1980 to 2021, on average, rents went up 8.86%. Now, I mean, it, you know, it's a national thing and maybe there's some variance there, but I think they have the right idea, which is that rent collection is probably going to outpace inflation. I just didn't realize by how much it outpaces inflation. You know, if you consider that inflation's like one or two percent, probably it's going to be a lot more uh, in the upcoming years, but it's an excellent way of, of, you know, hedging inflation. I think that gets overlooked just because maybe it's not the most sexy thing to talk about. But, and then the second thing, is ex, you know just extraordinary tax benefits and that i'll circle back around to wealthy people and what they do with their money and they realize that um they're very concerned about what they get at the end of the day what their return is but they're super concerned with what are their tax implications and the average investor maybe not so doesn't think about those things, but truly investing this way in syndications, the, the tax benefits are amazing. We do, you know, cost, cost segregation studies in every single, you know, property that we purchase, which for the layperson just means that we, we accelerate depreciation rather than, you know, um, writing it off over 27, 39 years. It's written off over one, five, or seven years. So that means that this tram transfers into a huge tax um, liability that, that can almost equal sometimes what the investor has put in the deal. And so um, that's something that, you know, I love tax time because, you know, you get a lot of investors that they don't really understand it. And then they see their tax returns and they're like, oh, 
This is awesome. When is your next deal? <laughs> Inflation is currently rising. As of November 23rd, 2021, 77% of Americans now say inflation is personally affecting them, according to a Yahoo News survey. Investors like Stephanie understand why it's now more important than ever to invest in hard assets that mitigate the impacts of inflation. Well, I mean, I think we have to go to the federal government and see the money that has been spent over the last few years um, that has kind of been going crazy. Um, and then I, I wish I had an article to reference, but just put in inflation 2021 and just about every major, you know, person in the financial industry is saying that what is going to happen is that your dollar is going to be able to purchase less and less, um, because the, the value of the dollars is basically going down because we've, had to create so much money to um, put, you know, back into our economy. And uh, so that that is something that's real. And it's on, you know, the definitely on the horizon. But I think that in, you know, investing, someone even brought this up, I was listening to a show, they were like, tangible assets, those are the things that withstand inflation always. So I think someone was saying, like, if I bought this much lumber a few years ago, I, you know, I'd be sitting on a, on a pile of money. So tangible things like um, that's what wealthy people do as well. Uh, the tangible asset that we sell is our apartments, which give cash flow. But let's just say, for an instance, the cash flow stopped for some reason. We still have an asset that we can sell that has value in it. And so things like that, rather than say stocks and bonds, which can go up, go down. Um, we don't really understand it necessarily. It's a piece of paper. One time it's worth, you know, $200. The next time a share is worth like one. So we don't, there's not quite the control as having tangible assets. A cost segregation study dissects the construction cost or purchase price of a property that would otherwise be depreciated over 27 and a half or 39 years. Cost segregation studies allow passive investors to receive additional benefits. You know, on multifamily properties, there's lots of things that, that and this is why you hire someone to do this for you, is that there are so many elements and so many parts of an apartment building. There's, you know, you think about it, doors, lighting, sidewalks, uh, air conditioning units, um, just lots of different component parts of an apartment complex. And each one can be depreciated along whichever schedule you put it on. Now, cost segregation allows you to push the depreciation instead of being like 27, I think it's 27.5, I could be wrong, or 39 years on a commercial building. You can push all of these expenses into being written off all in one year, five years, or seven years. It all depends on, you know, the equipment we're talking about, um, but largely pushing it from 20 to 30 years to, you know, one, five and seven years, these are huge, huge write-offs. So that's why, you know, if you're investing, you should definitely ask, even if you don't understand 
what I've said here, at least ask the people that you're thinking of investing with, are they planning on doing a cost segregation study? If they're not, then it might not be the best place to put your money because as far as multifamily investment goes, that should really be something that's done on every acquisition that's made. Most successful investors don't reach the level of achievement they have without some bumps along the road. For Stephanie, she struggled to accept that she can't do a syndication alone and that building a team is the best way to succeed in multifamily. My biggest learn <laughs> my biggest learning lesson is uh, has been a lot. I mean, uh, you know, being a land I was landlord for a long time and there's a whole bunch of lessons learned learned that way, but in syndication, I think my biggest lesson is that I believed that I could do it all myself. And uh, I just, that's just how it was brought up. I had my own, you know, business. Oh, I can do this. So I think the biggest lesson was through my first um, syndication to learn that actually you can't do this. You shouldn't want to do this all by yourself because there are so many, um, there's so many factors in this. And so you need a team of people to get you through it. And I think also just, I'm someone who, you know, I was looking for deals a lot and talking to um, brokers and underwriting deals and things like that. And I actually realized I didn't really like that very much. (laughs) And I mean, I can still, you know, obviously underwrite a deal and stuff like that, but that's not what I like to do from day to day. But yeah, to actually find my way in this business, doing something that would be um, helpful and and useful um, to keep me in this business because uh, it is a great business. Again, the teamwork of having these passive investors with the active team members is such an awesome concept and such a great builder of wealth, you know. For Stephanie, her success isn't about the size of her portfolio. For her, it's centered on the level of freedom she has. I think the way that I define success is different than a lot of people, because if you ask most people, they'll be able to tell you how many doors they have right away. I'm not someone, you know, (laughs) that could probably give you that number right off, right off the top of my head. But I know that after our, we have two closings coming this month. And after those two closings, I believe we'll be around $70 million dollars. Um, under management. And so I feel like um, for me, the the measure of whether I'm doing the right thing or not was can I can I retire? can I can I get out of this business that I didn't love anymore and do this? Um, and so for me to have replaced my income doing this job, um, is is just that 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 was my measure of success but i think that i think we've kind of grown organically and we've you know our investors have invested with us over and over and over again you know i have some investors that are in their fourth and fifth deal with us and that's what we wanted we didn't necessarily want to work with family money because we wanted to main, maintain control of our you know what we were building. 
Um, and so that for us took a, you know, a lot of conscious effort. Like I happened to find a partner that we kind of were aligned in that way is that, you know, we felt like our investors are kind of everything. Growth and progress will play a major role in Stephanie's business as she looks to the future. She's considering opening a fund and she's learning every day. I think at this point, it's just continuing to get better and better with um, raising money. I have thought of possibly starting a fund and, you know, that might be in the next few years. Um, but at this point, you know, we'll have three deals closed this year with myself and my partner. And I feel like that, that that's good, you know, for us. And then, you know, I, like I said, it in the future, it, I might look at putting a fund together, but I'm not really looking, I'm happy where I am right now. I did have an intern this summer, which was amazing. Um, she was much younger than me and she was able to really teach me a lot about the social media and, and all that stuff. And um, I was super grateful for her. So it is possible that I would think of having, you know, an employee eventually um, to handle some of the things I'm maybe not best with. Real estate is not for everyone, but for someone who is determined to get started, persistence is key. You don't need to know everything before you start. And once you do, don't look back. If you decide that this business is for you, because I talk to a lot of newbies um, that come to me and um, they get really, really frustrated. Um, and I would say to just keep at it. You know, even if the road looks a little bit different than you thought it was going to look, keep at it. And, and don't give up, just be pers persistent and, and keep going. But yeah, that would be my main piece of advice. <laughs> to find out more on Stephanie, here's where you can go to learn more. Yeah, you can go to my website, which is www.erbewealth.com. Uh, and the name of my company is, it was named after my dad uh, because he definitely was an entrepreneur who inspired me to do things. Um, so that word is the German word for legacy. So, and I believe that everybody needs to, or can actually, has the ability to have, whether they invest or whether they're doing the syndications themselves, provide this legacy of wealth for their family and, and their loved ones. Thank you for joining us today on the Real Estate Monopoly podcast. If you got value from this episode, please do us a favor and give us a good rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Make sure to visit our website at www.donisinvestmentgroup.com backslash monopoly, where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you'll never miss a show. If you want to avoid the top five mistakes passive investors make, you can also check out our free ebook by going to www.donisinvestmentgroup.com and downloading it. Be sure to tune in to our next episode. Until then, take care, guys.